Every year, our phone keyboards gain 70 new emoji symbols, which we can use to liven up our text messages and social media posts. For 2022, you'll be getting a mirror ball, a crutch, an x-ray, and a bird's nest, with or without eggs in it. But where do they come from? Who decides which new symbols become part of the permanent gallery? As I understand it, you are in charge of all the emoji on every Android phone, every Google device. You don't lie there rigid and perspiring <laughs> at night. Oh, I do. <laughs> every night. I'm David Pogue, and this is Unsung Science. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Season 1, Episode 13. Yeah, there are only two more episodes of Unsung Science after this one. So, if you have any interest in persuading the big bosses to greenlight a Season 2, now would be a good time to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or give this podcast a rating on Spotify and spread the word about your new favorite science and tech podcast. Anyway, episode 13, Where Emoji Come From. I mean, obviously you know where emoji come from, on your phone. You tap the little smiley face on your phone's keyboard, usually right next to the space bar, and boom. There are the scrolling screens full of 3,000 tiny typable pictures, faces, things, animals, flags, and symbols, all ready to drop into whatever you're typing to add a little visual nuance or tone to your text message or tweet. They fill in the gaps that body language or eye contact or volume are lost when you're speaking in the immediacy of digital communication. Jennifer Daniel is a creative director for Google. Well, actually, she's a bigger deal than that. She's in charge of all emoji on all Google software products, including the world's 2.5 billion Android phones. She's not just in charge. She and her very tiny team actually draw all the emoji on a laptop in Adobe Illustrator. As I understand it, you are in charge of all the emoji on every Android phone, every Google device, it's you. I do dabble. Because by that calculation, that makes you one of the most viewed artists alive. Billions of people a day look at your too stuff. Much, too much pressure. <laughs> too much pressure. You don't lie there rigid and perspiring <laughs> at night. Oh, I do. 
every night. <laughs> should the nose have been pink or brown or the rope? Should it have been a box knot or a different type of knot? Yeah, there's a little bit of that. People who use emoji use them quite a bit. As a species, we send about 10 billion emoji a day. Insert your own joke here about, and that's just my 12-year-old. Emoji show up on signs, in ads, and in academic studies. One guy rewrote Moby Dick entirely in emoji, called, what else, Emoji Dick. In 2017, there was even a truly awful emoji movie, called The Emoji Movie. Emojis. That's my home. Textopolis. But mostly, we use emoji to accompany our typed communication online. Our texts, our social media posts. We use them to add a little hint of emotion to our written expressions. Although, the Japanese word emoji actually has nothing to do with the word emotion. That emo prefix is a pure coincidence. Emoji means picture writing. If I send an emoji, that can compensate for the loss of facial expression? I would say that it compensates for intent. A lot of emojis are about how you feel and less necessarily how you look. So they're up for interpretation. And so people who text me probably understand how I use emoji that might not be universal. I use the cactus emoji all the time when I'm in a mood. When would you use the cactus emoji? When I'm on my period or when I'm just like in a bad mood. (laughs) So it means, you know, I'm prickly, leave me alone? Yeah, like, uh, I'm having a bad day, cactus. It's like, I'm the problem, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I feel a little bit prickly. I started out using it to take the sting off a textual response that could be taken the wrong way. Like, that's fine. You know, like, that could be, that's fine. Or, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. You know, with with a little smiley, makes it clear. Yeah, you can be as passive-aggressive as you want. (laughs) In the beginning, there weren't 3,000 emoji to choose from. There were 90. The first phone with a full set of symbols was the DP211SW, a fugly 1997 phone with a gray LCD screen from JPhone, which we know today as SoftBank. You could send any of those 90 symbols to anyone else who had a DP211SW. Many of them are still with us today, including... The heart, the surfer, the coffee cup, the 12 clock faces showing different hours, and of course, the smiling pile of poop. They weren't what you'd call photorealistic. The designers had only a 12 by 12 grid of pixels to work with, and no color. Two years later, interface designer Shigetaka Kurita drew another set for NTT Docomo's first cellular internet service, 176 emoji, this time in color. They became more famous and more widely used. In fact, they're in the Museum of Modern Arts collection. But those early emoji sets were incompatible. You couldn't send a smiling poop from your J-phone phone and expect it to show up on a Docomo phone. Meanwhile, in the rest of the computer world, the big tech companies were battling a similar incompatibility problem of their own. I'm sure you remember back in the early 90s, you'd get a message from someone and it'd be bunny rabbits and squares and weird symbols and stuff like yeah. that. That was, that was that problem. So if I sent you a message on a Mac, I would have sent you uh, a curly quote, for example, and you would have gotten a curly quote on your Mac. But if I had Windows... Then you'd get some 
random character. So you guys have solved that problem? Well, solved, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's solved as far as the the main languages in the world. So So I can send a message using any letters of my alphabet or... Hebrew or Arabic, right. to anyone using any kind of computer, and it'll show up the right way. Any modern computer. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. That's Mark Davis. He solved the Tower of Babel problem among operating systems by founding the Unicode Consortium in 1991. It's a nonprofit group made up of reps from Apple, Google, Facebook, Microsoft, and so on. For 30 years, they've been getting together to agree on standards so that a curly quote on my computer won't show up as a random little box on yours. And for 30 years, Mark Davis has been the president. So all of the mass symbols that you would use and punctuation and all of that is all in Unicode. And around 2000, we got the first proposal for adding emoji to Unicode. By this time, there were three different emoji sets from Japan. The Unicode Consortium agreed to combine them to form one new global universal standard. Now, Mark Davis is clearly the most powerful emoji man on earth. He's the head of the organization that chooses which new symbols will appear as options on our billions of phones and computers each year. So this was my chance to get to the crux of my quest, to find out where new emoji come from. Originally, we took these characters out of Japan. But then what we decided to do is open up the process so that instead of just Apple and Google and other companies deciding all by themselves what the new emoji would be, that anybody could file a proposal. The public? Yeah, you. It's true. All you have to do is fill in a form on the Unicode website and write a proposal arguing why your new emoji should become part of the permanent, global, ever-evolving set. Give us some information to justify that it's likely to be reasonably popular. What we don't want to do is add a new character that nobody uses. Mm. The number of emoji are limited. Why are they limited? Uh, They're limited because the cost of emoji is surprisingly high. If you think of the fact that every time we add one of these, it's multiplied by the... How many cell phones are there in the world now? (laughs) Billions. And so there's constructing the fonts, doing the designs, making sure everything's consistent, and input. Input, it's very frustrating for people to have to flip back to get all through all the emoji. And the bigger the list gets, the harder it is to find them. Now, keep in mind that each year, the consortium gets thousands of proposals from the public. But only about 70 new emoji a year make the cut. So don't even bother proposing an emoji in one of the forbidden categories. Then there are some exclusion factors. No specific people. No specific people, a living or dead. We exclude deities. We exclude logos. We exclude also emoji that are designed to have a particular appearance that is associated with the company. We don't want it to be transient, so... Once a character goes into Unicode, it's there forever. So you and I will be dust, okay, and it's still going to stick around. So it'll be in computers into the indefinite future. Wow. Okay, so, so, so no fads. No fads. No pet rocks. Yeah. yeah, and even if we allowed specific people, 
we'd say, well, Justin Bieber, maybe it's, <laughs> maybe it's a fan. He, he's, he, he's a violation on two counts. <laughs> on two transient counts. Transient and a specific person. Right. And a deity. Then you've got to show what the new emoji would look like. And it's got to be legible at tiny sizes. For example, we got a proposal for flaxseed. And aside from whether people are going to be busily uh, sending SMSs with flaxseed in them, the whole issue is how do I tell it's flaxseed and not, you know, little dots? Right, right, right. Are there any good stories of some citizen not working for a computer company who had an idea and now that's a, an actual... Sure. Uh, one of my favorites is the hijab emoji. And this is a young student in Berlin, uh, originally from Saudi Arabia. The reason I wear the hijab is different to many others, but I, the consensus is to get closer to God, um, to feel closer to him. And I think it's also um, a form of modesty that a lot of people feel empowered in, including me. Rayouf Alumedi was 15 years old when she discovered a big hole in the emoji set. There was no hijab, the head covering worn by hundreds of millions of Muslim women around the world. I mean, yeah, I've been using emojis for as, you know, I got my first one, I think I was 12, 13, but I never really looked to them as at a point of representation until the conversation with my friends on the group chat. She was texting two friends in WhatsApp. Just for fun, they decided to represent themselves using emoji in the name of their group chat. And we were creating a group chat name for one another with um, different emojis as or as how we looked like, and I couldn't find the hijab emojis. She wound up cobbling together a kind of equation that implied that she was wearing a hijab, a turban next to intertwined arrows next to a girl. But it struck her as a little goofy that the existing emoji set included two different camels, four different mailboxes, but no hijab. But at that point, you didn't yet know that mere citizens are allowed to propose emoji. Not at all. The idea of, um, you know, being a creator of an emoji did not pass my mind until um, I read a Mashable post on Snapchat. And the opening page was, you want to create your own emoji? Here's how. Yeah. So what was the actual process of, of filling out this application? I spent around three to four days in my room, you know, curating the perfect proposal for the folks at Unicode Consortium, while my parents thought I was typing away a lab report or something. Wow. And so eventually you heard back at some point that, congratulations, your emoji proposal is accepted and it's going to be on billions of phones around the world. Do you remember that moment? I, like, I didn't know what to do with myself exactly, but slowly, I think after it was released officially, um, I saw it pop up randomly in places that I wouldn't expect like celebrities would be using it or just even on, just generally on Instagram. And then I'd have this moment in my head like, whoa, I, 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 I did that. That's, that's insane. Especially that it's something no one thinks about. Like when they click an emoji, no one thinks, oh, who made this, who did this. Now, any organization that calls itself a consortium is of course going to have subcommittees. And there is an emoji subcommittee. And Jennifer Daniel of Google is now in charge of it. Once she, the subcommittee, and the consortium have approved a new symbol for admission to the standard set, that's not the end of it. Believe it or not, there isn't one standard hijab emoji or one standard eggplant emoji. Each tech company has its own staff of artists 
and its own house style for the artwork itself. How would you characterize them? What's Google's? Well, we're cute. <laughs> uh, humble. Um, I would say cute and simple. We try not to show off with lots of detail. It really is supposed to be as simple as possible. Okay, and how about some of the other companies? So Apple tends to rely more on like higher resolution, fancier, more, um, more detail. Mm-hmm. Uh, it shows off the retina screens on their phones, <laughs> right? It really sells the hardware. It is a real, it's a real object that you can touch. Mm-hmm. Microsoft is flat, very flat. And they have this like big black outline around them. And Twitter is great. Twitter has a really interesting font. It's really simple, much more simple than Google's actually. Even Rayouf's hijab emoji is different on each kind of phone. I remember working on the tiny details, like what color the hijab should be. Should it be beige to keep it neutral and, you know, have the vendors think of how it should look like? Or like a, a dark blue just for contrast. And what did you choose? A dark blue for contrast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the one on my iPhone is, is it purple? It's purple, yeah. Apple decided to make it purple, which I personally really like because it, it it's, adds a different color and a different color palette to the emojis, especially... Since the turban emoji is white, it's cool to have um, a different color. So yeah, the public makes proposals, the Unicode consortium members vote on which ones should make the cut, and then the individual tech companies draw them. That's how it all works, in theory. But what happens if two companies draw the same emoji in different ways? Like the time Apple's emoji for pistol looked like a squirt gun, but Google's was a real handgun. What happens when the emoji don't reflect equality or diversity? And how long will it be before we can design emoji that look exactly like ourselves? My guests and I will answer all of the above after the break. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. 
It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Now, I got to get one more ad in here on behalf of the Pogue Children College Fund. It's about my book, How to Prepare for Climate Change. Sounds depressing. I get that. And yet, it's been called the first uplifting book about climate change. Okay, my editor called it that. But she does have excellent taste. See, the definition of depression isn't just my situation is terrible. It's also my situation is terrible and I'm helpless to change it. And this book is 600 pages of things you can do right now for cheap to make yourself more resilient in the age of fires, hurricanes, floods, heat waves, and so on. It's where to live, how to insure, how to invest, how to talk to your kids, and so on. Taking action is an antidote to depression, and how to prepare for climate change is an antidote to climate despair. My editor said so. Welcome back. Before the break, I was describing how each tech company is invited to draw its own version of each emoji. There's this fantastic website called Emojipedia.org, where you can look at the various companies' emoji styles side by side. For many years, some of them looked incredibly different. Apple's emoji for cookie is very obviously a chocolate chip cookie, round, brown, with chocolate chips. But until 2018, Samsung's cookie emoji was a pair of square saltine crackers. Sometimes the different interpretations led to some amusing message confusion, or not so amusing. In 2016, following a series of police shootings, Apple changed the illustration for its pistol emoji from a standard handgun to a plastic squirt gun. You might have texted someone, there's only one way we're going to solve this. Show up tomorrow at the dock. Bring your squirt gun emoji. But if they had an Android phone, what they'd get was, bring your actual bullet-firing revolver emoji, which you could argue is a very different meaning. Mark Davis says that the other tech companies were forced to follow suit, if only to avoid having some playground fun turn into gangland slayings. If you're using any modern Google phone, then you'll see also a, a squirt gun. So they've all become squirt guns? And they've all become squirt guns. So the, the squirt gun example, was that sort of a, a political statement, an anti-gun statement that, that Apple is making? I can't speak for Apple on that. Um, well, Google I, followed suit. Uh, Google followed suit, but the primary reason why we followed suit is to avoid incompatibility. These days, the tech company's art departments don't go rogue like that anymore. The consortium tries to keep their emoji drawings a little more harmonized. That doesn't mean there's not still conflict, though. Is there such thing as pushback, controversy? Oh, of course. Is there hate? Oh, people hate emoji. Of course they do. Everyone loves and hates everything. I mean, come on. <laughs> go on the internet. You know, everyone's angry about something. Well, has anyone ever been angry about something that you did? All the time. Like Probably what? right now while we're talking, there's someone angry at me right now. <laughs> like what? Uh, removed an egg from a salad. Oh, yeah. Tell me the vegan egg story. Go. This is my oh, favorite my story. Well, you can file bugs against emoji, right? Just <laughs> like any other. If your phone's broken, you can 
send a complaint and say, this isn't working, please fix it. So people send that for emoji all the time. Wow. So I collected all of those complaints and I read them. And for salad, someone pointed out that the standard description for salad was a leafy bowl of greens containing tomato and lettuce. And then he pointed out that every salad on all the other phones were leafy greens with tomatoes, but ours had an egg. And that we should remove it to be consistent. And I was like, well, let's try to opt for consistency. Well, that did not go as planned. What do you mean? <laughs> you got rid of the egg and people complain? People were really upset about the egg removal. <gasps> uh, people have strong opinions about salads. <laughs> it's an emoji, people. Yeah, yeah. It's like for bagel. Remember when Apple rolled out their bagel emoji? It was no cream cheese. Oh, no cream cheese. I was like, no one had been to New York before. It was ridiculous. <laughs> uh, and they toasted it. They put a little schmear on there. Now it's authentic. So they fixed it. Yes. And, and what did you do about the salad kerfluffle? Oh, there's no egg. So the egg went away, and the haters just had to deal with it. Then there was the great burger scandal of 2017, in which it was discovered that Google had drawn the cheese under the burger patty. Come on, Google. Who does that? I mean, it'd get the bun all gross. Google's CEO, Sundar Pichai, had to get involved. He tweeted, We'll drop everything else we are doing and address on Monday. I think he was kidding, because he did include a smiley in his tweet. Not an emoji, but an emoticon, the old style where you type a colon followed by a parenthesis, so if you turn your head sideways, it looks like a smiling face. Mark Davis still remembers the day. Actually, I loved that. I loved his response to that. (laughs) And I loved the fact that I think afterwards there was one of our cafes at Google served a version of the hamburger with the cheese on the bottom. (laughs) So he called it, I think, the Android hamburger or something like that. From his point of view, though, the real crisis was the beer mug episode of 2017. Even more embarrassingly, nobody noticed the problem with the beer mugs. You ever seen what the old beer mugs were? Uh Well, they had a beer mug and they had the foam on top, but the foam was kind of sitting on air. (laughs) There was no beer in there. (laughs) Google fixed that one in Android 8.1 and shortly thereafter hired Jennifer Daniel. She and the Unicode Consortium quickly became aware of some other problems with the standard emoji set, especially when it came to social representation. For example, every emoji had the same color skin, yellow. Remember, this came out of Japan. The first images were targeted at the Japanese market. And the images were also people with very light skin. Ideally, the people should have been all represented with an unnatural color like a Homer Simpson or John Boehner color. Um, (laughs) So it was, at that point, what we had to do is we had to look at how to address the system. What they came up with was a way to choose any of five skin tones for every single emoji that depicts a person. You hold your finger down on the symbol, and a little menu of skin tones pops up. It wasn't as simple as adding more emoji. What we wanted to do was add a mechanism so that we could handle all skin tones over all the existing characters and into the future. So you can combine a character with the skin color. So you can say, well, I want a runner. 
and I want her to have a dark skin color. How many skin tone options do we have now? Uh, well, there's the, the generic no skin tone, which is kind of orange, yellow, orangish. And then you have um, five other tones. So you have, you know, very light, medium, dark, and then in, in between. The skin tone menu appeared in 2015, but the standard emojis still weren't a paragon of equity. This 2016 Stephen Colbert monologue made the point nicely. Let me show you how uneven it is. If you're a man in the world of emoji, you can be a police officer, a British palace guard, a Santa with a weird flesh beard, a private investigator, a, I want to say, a bike helmet salesperson, a swami, a construction worker who also sells pot, and the saxophone player for Stay Human. That was a visual joke. The mustachioed emoji he showed kind of resembles the sax player for Colbert's own house band. On the female side, uh, you can be a, let's see, a princess bride, uh, a princess, a flamenco dancer, or the two slices of bread in a Hugh Hefner sandwich. That's right. As late as 2016, the only professions depicted as women in the standard emoji set were princess, bride, dancer, or two Playboy bunnies. Jennifer Daniels set about fixing it. I noticed that it was reinforcing stereotypes. So all the male, all the construction workers, not construction man or construction woman, construction worker, were all men. And all the emotional ones, like shruggy or facepalm or, I don't know, like hair flip, were all female. Really? So rude. So that's when I kicked off an initiative to, to fix it. Like, we are doing that. We're going to change 60, uh, under 70 emoji to be more, to present themselves to be more gender inclusive. And that was your project? It was. The emoji set gained two men holding hands in 2015, became gender inclusive in 2016, got gender neutral emoji in 2019, and mixed race couples in 2021. But come on, you know how people are. With each of these steps toward inclusiveness, there's been unpleasantness and pushback. In Rayouf Alamedi's case, even rape threats and death threats. When I proposed the hijab emoji, um, I knew the unnecessary political connotations that came with the hijab. I wasn't blind to that. I knew the discussions about how it was a symbol of oppression. I knew the discussions about, um, oh, they, they limit a woman's freedom. And, it, you know, it's a symbol of oppression. Why should we give it space? And to that, I say, how about the woman like me, millions of women like me who wear it by choice and wear it proudly? Like, your a lot of their views are also taken from um, the media outlets and not from discussions within other Muslim women or, you know, their own personal research. You had enough support that the hate didn't make you lie awake nights terrified. Yeah, the source of hate I knew came from ignorance. It was... The person sending the hate, not having enough knowledge on the topic they're talking about, and just regurgitating the echo chambers they're in. So I knew a lot of the times people disagree with the hijab is because it's something foreign, something different. Now, even after 20 years of expanding the emoji set, people complain that there's still no hot air balloon emoji, no triceratops, no glass of white wine, no tumbleweed, no stork, no anvil. And yes, we can now choose a gender, or no gender, and a skin tone. You can now represent yourself if you're deaf, blind, in a wheelchair, or equipped with a prosthetic limb. 
There are now emoji for redheads, bald heads, and old people. But those options aren't as flexible as the gender and skin tones. You can't combine them. You can't make a redheaded old person or a bald person in a wheelchair. You can't add freckles or a mohawk or a gold tooth. No tattoos or scars. In other words, these aren't like Apple's Memoji or the Nintendo Mii's, where you can make an emoji that looks exactly like you. And the Unicode Consortium says that's how it'll stay. So we've now added uh, more gender options. We've added more skin tone options. So how far is there pressure to go in making emoji look like us? It's an alphabet. It's not an avatar system. How many eye colors can you really add to an emoji? And then what can you actually discern at emoji sizes, right? I mean, you'd have to do hair colors, hairstyles, eye colors. So there's no goal to make all the tools you need to make you look exactly like yourself. I would say not. I think we are trying to prioritize what are the meaningful ones that we can do that can scale, making sure that we're future-proofing it, basically. Right, right, right. And speaking of the future... Unicode president Mark Davis is quick to shoot down the idea that emoji are some kind of new universal language, no matter how much that notion has become a trope among bloggers and pundits. One of the myths is that it's a language. It's it's a guessing game. It's it's a puzzle. There aren't verbs. There aren't really adjectives. I mean, it's not a language. It's a way, I think, of kind of making up for the lack of gestures and intonation. In fact, in the really long term, the Unicode Consortium would love to get out of the emoji business entirely. In the documentary The Emoji Story, Unicode Vice Chair Craig Cummings puts it like this. I'm, I'm stepping in a, a pile of poo emoji here, but the future of emojis will not necessarily still involve Unicode. We only hope that there would be a better answer for emoji and and one that actually could cater more to uh, the endless imagination of the human mind. In the meantime, people will keep submitting their ideas and the consortium will keep giving us our 70 new winners every year. The 2020 set included two new emoji that came from somebody you know, Jennifer Daniel herself. Oh, my first emoji proposal finally rolled out, like a proper proposal. I wrote the proposal for a smile with tear. Wow. So that was that was my first. And hugging, two people hugging. Wait, wait, wait. But those aren't new. They came out this year. But there's been a smile with a tear forever. In your mind. In your mind. Really? There weren't two people hugging until 2020? Right. So for two people hugging, we do have hugging face. Are you familiar with hugging face? No. Oh, it's creepy emoji. It's like this big old smile with these two little jazz hands, and it's like... Oh, looks that's like, supposed to be hugging? Well, he, I thought it was jazz hands. I thought it was groper. <laughs> it's bad news, right? I, I had no idea that was even supposed to be hugging. That's <laughs> it isn't anymore, and that's great. In other news, Rayouf Alamedi's hijab emoji didn't just give millions of people a new representation option. It also gave her an obvious topic for her college admissions essay. She got into Stanford. So is, is there a larger takeaway a moral of the story from from your whole adventure with this trip? The moral of the story spans different facets. One, uh, people have a lot of opinions and they love to share them on the internet. And B was, um, if I wanted to tackle a certain problem, I should just go ahead and do it, even if there's problems along the way. 
I shouldn't let the potential thought of these problems stop me from pursuing it. No, Rayouf, you shouldn't. And now you've got the rest of the world looking forward to whatever you tackle next. Unsung Science with David Pogue is presented by Simon & Schuster and CBS News and produced by PRX Productions. The executive producers for Simon & Schuster are Richard Rohrer and Chris Lynch. The PRX production team is Jocelyn Gonzalez, Morgan Flannery, Pedro Rafael Rosado, and the project manager is Ian Fox. The amazing Jesse Nelson composed the unsung science theme music, and fact-checker Christina Ribello positioned herself nobly between my scripts and certain humiliation. For more Unsung Science episodes, visit unsungscience.com. And for more of my stuff, visit davidpogue.com or follow me on Twitter, at Pogue, P-O-G-U-E. We'd love it if you'd like and subscribe to Unsung Science wherever you get your podcasts. And spread the word, would you? Thanks for listening. If you like Unsung Science, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.